Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day this last day of April. Wow. Can't get the weather in the calendar quite uh, matched up. And uh, here we are wrapping up April, getting ready to go into May, and a lot of concerns about planting. We'll be talking about that on our program today. We're going to look back to uh, the flooding and the losses in Nebraska. We talked about those cattle losses. Pete McClymont with the uh, Nebraska Cattlemen's will be with us to give us an update on and an assessment on that situation and also where they stand and the help they've received from all around the country. That's coming up on our program today. We're going to talk with the American Soybean Association. Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, will be joining us a little bit later on as well. Talk about the priorities of ASA, um, USMCA, and uh, some of those issues. We'll get an update from Ryan Finley on our program today. But we're going to start things off talking with uh, DTN reporter Todd Neely. Todd, thanks for joining us. Hey, good to be here, Mike. Uh, planting progress numbers came out yesterday, of course, and as expected, they're they are behind. Uh, not a you know not a huge amount. So you know, and some people are saying, hey, look, we're not that far off. I think the concern, though, don't you think, right. is uh, not so much where we're at now, but with the forecast where we might be a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just it seems like uh, you know the rain never stops. Um, you know, even here in Nebraska, we're talking about some areas getting some more, you know, fairly significant snowfall yet. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think people have kind of grown used to this in recent years. You know, we've had many springs where we had heavy rains, uh, you know, Iowa and points eastward. And uh, I just think that that really probably is the number one problem we got right now is just waiting for that dry period. I know here in Nebraska, we've had it a little bit drier since all the flooding, and I think that's made a big difference for a lot of people. But, um, yeah, you're right. Across the Midwest and upper Midwest, there's still a lot of issues. Yeah, and even though some areas are able to get some work done, we know some folks have uh, corn in and it's up, when you look right at the heart yeah. of the production area, uh, there's a lot yet to do. Yeah, you know, and when you look at the, the longer range for the forecast uh, from NOAA and other people, um, we're definitely looking at above-average precip, at least in our area, uh, you know, and going east. But, um, you know, the thing is, we've seen this in many springs where, you know, very similar situations, uh, you know, talking about possibly the corn acres being down and, and all those things that people have concerns about. But with uh, hybrid technologies and uh, all the improvements in, in, uh, in ag, I think uh, – you know, it doesn't seem like it's ever entirely too late because there, it just seems like year after year uh, farmers find a way to get a, some pretty decent crops in the bins at the end of the year and, uh, you know, it never cease to amaze us. Yeah, as I often say, it feels later than it is. Uh, but, yeah, the yeah. concerns are, are with the forecast, uh, the longer-range forecast staying so wet. All right, uh, we have some uh, legal maneuverings and challenges and issues with E15. Can you bring us up to date on that? Well, uh, at this point, you know, it's going to be one of those things that I think, um, 
we know that the American Petroleum Institute is going to file a lawsuit um, against the E15 rule. Uh, they can't really do that. There's no legal standing until the rule actually becomes finalized. Um, and there's still some concern, uh, you know, that we're not going to meet that June 1st deadline for the summer driving season. Uh, right now it's on track. You know, we had the closing of the comment period yesterday. Um, there's going to be lots and lots of work yet for EPA to do. Uh, there's a lot of opposition to the RINs market reforms uh, from coming from a lot of places, not just from ethanol. Um, so it's really, you know, it's really tough at this point to say long term what's going to happen with E15. I think a lot of people will feel better if the, if the agency can at least get it finalized by that June 1st deadline. But um, it's going to be immediately taken to court. There's just no doubt about that. Um, representative for the API uh, just not that long ago said that we are definitely going to file a challenge. Um, so, yeah, we're, uh, I think we get to that June 1st deadline. That's a good first step, but who knows what beyond that. So we'll continue to watch that. But it, it, the key, I think, is going to be we know it's going to go to the courts. What it'll yeah. be kind of what's allowed to happen while it's being decided in the courts, right? Does it proceed until there's a final court ruling, or does it get put on hold? Those are right. some of the questions that we still need answers to. Absolutely. You know, they could. You know, there could be an injunction somewhere along the way. You see that quite often on these rules that uh, people who are going to file legal challenges. You know, in the interim, ask a court to basically put the rule on hold, and I would suspect that that might be the case, although. Um, you know, when you consider that E15 is sold around the country for most of the year, um, it seems to me that that would be a tough thing to get an injunction on a on a product that's already sold. So I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but that's just uh, I, I think that seems like a really interesting conflict there. Yeah, but we tend to look at it from a common sense point of view, and that that doesn't always seem to yeah. be the, what rules no. the day, right? <laughs> Um, looks right. like there's going to be a meeting between uh, in uh, in the White House uh, with uh, Speaker Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Schumer and the President, and maybe they're actually going to talk about an infrastructure deal. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of political uh, hurdles, though, that will have to be overcome there, too. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, but it, it's something that's so badly needed. I mean, we saw with the flood damage and a lot of other disasters across the country uh, a lot of rural areas hit very hard. Uh, you know, we already have a real challenge with infrastructure as it is. Uh, it's not in the greatest situation, not the greatest conditions. Um, and then when you see these kinds of disasters, it kind of puts an emphasis on the need to get something done. I mean, there's I, I think there's some hope that this is a rather bipartisan issue, although nothing in D.C. these days seems to be bipartisan. Um, but hopefully, you know, we can get something past the uh, you know, start getting some of these uh, some of these areas of the country much needed help. Um, you know, we're still waiting to see if there's going to be any disaster, additional disaster relief from the flooding too. So, um, a lot of work yet to be done, but hopefully the politics kind of step aside here. You know, we continue to wait on that disaster package, and it just really shows uh, yeah. how how stalemated everything's become in this country. You would think something like that you could get moving i've always thought infrastructure right. ought to be something they could come together and, and work on but it just shows uh, the political divide in this country stops just about anything from getting done it does you know and these disasters are not just the midwest flooding i mean we've seen some issues in the south uh you know all over the place there are different different areas of the country that really need some of this help uh that seems to be a rather bar bipartisan thing um 
but I guess going forward, we'd really have to decide, uh, you know, are, are we going to keep dealing with these disasters, you know, one by one in terms of the financing and then the things that these areas need, or are we going to make it something more long-term? And I, I don't know whether we're going to see that in Congress to where there's actually going to be any movement on something more permanent. Um, it seems like the, whenever these disasters occur is when, um, you know, we kind of find out what's available and what's not available in a big hurry. Yeah. Todd, thanks as always for being with us. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Mike. DTN reporter Todd Neely. Up next, Executive Vice President of Nebraska Cattlemen's. We'll get an update on losses uh, in the cattle industry in the state of Nebraska from the flooding this spring and where they're at now. That's next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Soybean growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart Rewards program and get cash back. Go all in today at IngeniaHerbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it, some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers, and like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels, oil alternatives, nutrient-rich proteins. These solutions create cleaner air and a more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, clean water issues in this country. Let's talk about it with Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation on the clean water rule. What's the next step? This rule, which we believe is more balanced, we believe that it is also legally defensible. We also believe it's going to go to the Supreme Court. So there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. But I hope the uncertainty is now moving back near the center where we can live and operate our farms in ways that we're not in, in danger of, of running afoul of the law. It is going to take a while. You can expect EPA to spend a lot of quality time between now and the end of this year uh, preparing to finalize a rule that they can support. They've got to flesh out not only the, the decisions they make, but why and the rationale why they made those decisions. I think that is critically important, and that's critically important in, in making sure that it is legally defensible. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. I want to check back in in the state of Nebraska concerning the, the losses in cattle during the uh, flooding this spring. Pete McClymouth's with us, Executive Vice President of the Nebraska Cattlemen's. Pete, the last time we talked, you were still trying to get an assessment and account uh, on uh, the losses and the situation. Uh, now that you've had a little bit of time, uh, what can you tell us? Can you give us an update? Sure, and thanks for having us on, Mike. We really appreciate it as we want to keep this issue out there as we try to help our members and producers across the state. So from an actual headcount loss, I think as we get into some of the western ranches in the state that were negatively impacted and they start having brandings, we'll get a really better idea of what's going on. But coupled with the humble nature of people in agriculture, it may be hard altogether to get a really good number because we've heard some producers have been made whole um, if they've had a good insurance plan in place. Uh, And so if there's no reason for them to sign up for a livestock indemnity program funds via USDA, we might have a really hard time knowing the number. But this could stretch into the middle of the summer when we get a good handle on it. So I'm not answering the question specifically, but I think given 1.94 million beef cows in our state, you know, and coupled with some other losses, I think it would be fair to say easily over 200, maybe 250,000. Wow. As you said, you may never know exactly uh, because of differing situations, but it is good to know that some folks uh, did have assistance and were able to get the help they needed. That's true, and so we've hosted two meetings here with our state agencies, FSA, USDA folks, and so it's been really good that the communication is continued and strong. And I think the thing that we're going to start to see here coming up once we get into June when people will turn out to pasture, the need for cleaning up debris, sediment, sand, and rebuilding fences will probably be as necessary at that time for people to get back into uh, a ranching setting to have everything covered and fixed up. 
We're talking with the Executive Vice President of the Nebraska Cattlemen's, Pete McClymont. Pete, I know you've received help and assistance. It's come into your state from all around the country, hasn't it? Absolutely, and it just it touches your heart when you hear people. We, we got a box of uh, well wishes from some third graders in California. Their teacher is originally from North Platte, Nebraska, and so and then we got a box of candy and some FFA cards um, that some students in Ohio sent to us. So when you get that, it just really makes you feel great about being in agriculture in the United States. What is the, the situation as far as people finding displaced cattle, uh, getting them back, uh, uh, you know, taking care of their feed needs, things like that? Can you bring us up to date on that situation? Our Department of Ag has done a terrific job of being a coordinator with this in, in, in connection with our communities. So there are certain areas of the state, obviously, that have been hit hardest. And so they'll receive fencing supplies, hay. We've had hay from Ohio, from uh, Virginia, I mean, all across the country that has come in. So those needs are trying to be met with the offerings of people are coming. So in other words, if if you're going to send hay and uh, you call our Nebraska Department of Ag hotline and they know somebody needs it specifically, they're making that direct connection so we minimize uh, the coordination and get it right to people's needs. So that's been really good. And so we've never had this before and we're learning, but we've done a great job in that regard here in Nebraska. What's your infrastructure situation, Pete, as far as being able to get around in those areas? Is that improved? Absolutely, and that is probably the key thing, Mike, that we've seen that's going to be the long-term uh, impact that we've got to deal with. So we, were, we had over 1,300 miles of, of roads that were shut down, and, and we're down to less than probably 100 miles right now. Um, we're we're at 11 bridges that are state or federal bridges that are in the reconstruction phase, but that doesn't even begin to touch the county bridges and roads that have, uh, you know, true needs that we have to uh, deal with. And so from that standpoint, that's going to be the long-term negative impact. And so that could impact people as we're getting into planting season right now, and hopefully it doesn't stretch into harvest. But that is the number one issue that we're dealing with now from the disaster. Have you got some uh, folks that have just said, this is it, this is just time for us to get out, uh, they've made that tough call? We're hearing a little bit of that, and I have to compliment the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Extension because they put together a really nice link on their website that we have on our website that deals with the mental health impact of it because that's that is what really scares you when you think about people that have seen unbelievable historic losses and you can see your life efforts literally go down a river and so from that standpoint I'm hearing from some of our veterinary members that have talked about how it's wearing on them let alone the actual producers so that's the human side that's very scary in this that we're paying attention to and trying to arm our our staff and our members to support their fellow producers 
So the situation's improving, but as we said at the when this all happened, it was it would be a long-term uh, recovery, right? It's going to take a while. Exactly, and one of the things I have to compliment our board of directors. Uh, five days after the event happened, we put together the efforts to form a 501c3. You can go to NebraskaCattlemen.org and see the NC Disaster Relief Fund. And uh, we've gained over 1,600 donors and uh, gained significant dollars. We want producers to apply for that, and they've got till at least the end of May, May 31st. Nebraska Farm Bureau has done a great job, too. I think they've gained uh, over $2.5 million in their efforts. Theirs is different. Ours is for cattle producers. Theirs is for anybody. So they've done a great job of getting monies out to people to buy water, buy food, you know, address housing needs and those things. So we've come together uh, in this time of need, but we're, we're trying to help out as best as we can. Yeah, so often we've seen it. The worst of times bring out the best in people. I couldn't agree more, and our governor's been terrific. Obviously, with Greg Ibaugh, former director of ag in Nebraska, now uh, undersecretary for uh, Secretary Purdue in USDA, we've got those connections. It's really helped us move things along expeditiously, and we're, we're in a good spot, but you're never in a good spot like this. So I think in two years we could probably see things trying to get back to uh, a pre-disaster level, but only time will tell, so we're trying to do our best to make a difference right now as Nebraska cattlemen. We continue to wait and see what Congress does or does not get done as far as some kind of a disaster package, but fortunately there were some programs uh, available to livestock producers that really helped. The Livestock Indemnity Program is the one for, obviously, livestock, and then the Emergency Conservation Program is there, too, for the cleanup. And so the amount of paperwork, Mike, that has to be filled out to get ECP funds is excessive. And you understand why, to a certain degree, that way bad actors, you know, are discouraged and and the paperwork helps find the right person in need. But we complain pretty strongly through our state FSA office and to USDA and with our governor's help. So they've got some of that paperwork lessened for people that want to apply because if you've got a beach in your pasture that was next to a stream, you know, you've got to get rid of it. And there are rules around that, but you have to have to deal with it to try to reclaim your pasture. And so we wanted those uh, programs, that ECP program, to be as helpful as it can without not the tremendous overload. So that's one good thing that we really appreciate from USDA and FSA. Well, Pete, thank you very much for the update, and uh, we encourage people to go to your, your website and because I know assistance is, is still needed, and we encourage people to help as they can. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Pete McClymont, he's Executive Vice President of Nebraska Cattlemen's. You can check out their website for more about uh, their assistance um, funds that they have set up to help folks there recovering from the flooding this spring in Nebraska. Up next, we're going to talk ag issues with the CEO of the American Soybean Association. Stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. 
Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Your diesels are your engines of prosperity, so they deserve the best treatment. And with FS Fuel and Lubricant, you'll give them the gold standard. Diesel X Gold High Performance Fuel plus Suprex Gold ESP Engine Oil. Formulated to work together, they'll keep your diesels running longer and stronger, from farming to construction to trucking. Visit FSGoldStandard.com or talk with your local FS Energy Specialist. FS, bringing you what's next. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Another mix for the grain and oil seed sector in early trade on this Tuesday. As U.S. and Chinese trade officials try to close a deal, the punitive tariffs that the governments have slapped on each other's goods stand as a major obstacle. That, according to officials and others briefed on the talks, high-level talks between the U.S. and China resuming on this Tuesday after U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin arrived in Beijing. The Wheat Quality Council's wheat tour getting underway on this Tuesday. Scouts exploring northwest and north-central Kansas. One route hitting southern counties in Nebraska before gathering in Colby for the night. USDA's crop progress numbers offering little surprises yesterday. 15% of the nation's corn crop in the ground. 13% of the nation's spring wheat crop. That is well behind the five-year average of 33%. Minneapolis spring wheat futures trending a fraction to a penny and a fraction higher an hour into the day. September at 5.17 and three quarters, up a half cent. Chicago wheat July down four and a quarter at 4.31. In corn, we've got fractional changes. July down a half at 3.61 and a quarter. December down three quarters of a cent an hour into the day at 3.80 and a half. Soybeans, July down four and a quarter, 8.56 and a half. November 877 and a half, down three and a quarter. Livestock at the Merck. Losses continue in cattle futures. We're flat to 30 cents lower with June live cattle down two cents per hundred weight at 114.77. Feeder cattle August down 57 at 150.50 per hundred weight. Lean hog futures, June up 50 cents, 88.62. The Dow down 26. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Always good to talk ag issues with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing all right, Mike. How are you today? Very good. We're uh, we're hearing about you know more talks with China getting underway today in Beijing, and uh, you know optimism. We've heard this before. Are you getting excited that we might be near the finish line on this, or are you just taking a believe it when you see it approach? <laughs> you know, I think you and I have had this conversation before. I feel like we've had it a few times where um, the the conversations are ongoing. And that's good. And we had a couple of weeks there where there were uh, some short, short meetings, um, virtual meetings that were happening. So they were doing it over the phone or video conference. And so now we're back to face-to-face in Beijing and then hopefully D.C. And that's a good thing. And every, uh, what we hear from the president is that we're obviously we're getting closer, but he expects something to wrap up in the next month. Whether we can really hold the president to the next 30 days when we've kind of passed it, we've, we've eclipsed a couple of dates already. We were really hoping March 1 we were going to have a, an agreement. But if we could have something in the next 30 days, if we could have something sometime in May, I think that would be really beneficial. And that's what everybody is hoping for. And, it, and what we keep coming back to is when an agreement is reached, we really need soybean farmers, agriculture in general, definitely soybean farmers need to see the tariffs lifted. And I think that's a really key point that we continue to stress with the administration when we're talking to them. Yeah, and now they're arguing about tariffs that each country's placed on the other. Well, we said all along that tariffs, you know, I know the president likes them, but uh, historically we've seen, uh, especially for agriculture, that they're not good. And then so now you're trying to, you know, work through problems that each country created by placing them on each other. So uh, it seems yeah, like you're, uh, you're right, we've, Mike. we've yeah. come full circle on this almost. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so our concern is if we reach an agreement and a couple of things have been addressed and the tariffs, one of the discussions is a snapback tariff concept where the, the tariffs will be lifted and then if either side doesn't, uh, re, uh, meet the terms of agreement. So if there's an enforcement clause, so to speak, then the tariffs would snap back into place. And for us, that's a concern because tariffs is a, is a really challenging way to facilitate trade. If there's always this threat that China's going to levy tariffs or the U.S. is going to levy tariffs and then the other one is going to retaliate, and so you retaliate the retaliation, and it becomes a really difficult situation, and that's exactly what soybean farmers have experienced over the last year, and it's a big reason why we're seeing prices, unfortunately, where they are. We're talking with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Meanwhile, on USMCA, uh, the Mexican Senate 
last night approved an overhaul of its labor laws under the new NAFTA. And that was a that was an important step because there are U.S. Democrats, especially in the House, wanting to see some changes and some progress on that issue before they say they would vote to ratify USMCA. But there's still some other things such as environmental protections and pharmaceutical provisions in the deal. Uh, so there are a lot of layers to this. Um, from an ASA standpoint, I guess trade is right at the top of your list as far as priorities. Is USMCA uh, number one or 1A? How, how do you rank these things? <laughs> yeah, trade in general is number one. Uh, but without question, China is the focus. I mean, that is it's the number one market for U.S. soybeans. It, it's a, a $14 billion market was in the past. China has a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth potential. There are some other countries that have growth potential, but not the demand needs that China has. So China is clearly number one. But we, we need to look at USMCA, which is the United States-Mexico-Canada Free Trade Agreement. It's the NAFTA 2.0, if you would. And, and that's the one that has been negotiated. It's been signed by all three countries, and it just needs to be ratified by each, each country before it can be implemented. And so we are at that stage where the president is, is ready and prepared to send USMCA to Congress. Congress cannot offer amendments. They can only vote it up or vote it down. And there's a lot of education that's going on. And, and there are a few Democrats in the House of Representatives that have pushed back and said we need to have a couple of clarifying points or we need to see some improvements they're not going to open up the agreement, but can they reach some side agreements that would uh, make everyone feel comfortable that that this agreement will work and be effective for workers in, in all three countries? And so that's some of the politics that are going on right now from a soybean standpoint. And a lot of agricultural organizations are doing this right now. We are on Capitol Hill. We're talking to members of the House, members of the Senate and explaining the benefits to agriculture of a USMCA. And there are a lot. There are a lot of benefits for U.S. agriculture to maintain an open trading system with Mexico and Canada. It's worth a lot of money, and it's worth a, real, a lot of really good um, partnerships that we have for all aspects of agriculture. It's something that we have to pass, and we're, we're leaning on members of the House and Senate to say you need to do it this year. And we also have talks with Japan from a soybean perspective. How important is that market? Yeah, I think from a direct soybean export, we don't send a lot of soybeans, but it's really our animal protein. Again, it's for, for U.S. agriculture, Japan is really important. And we have filed comments. We think it's important that we do have a, a trade relationship with Japan. We're at a competitive disadvantage right now. Japan was part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement that the U.S. backed out of, and all of the other countries moved forward with it. They implemented that. So Canada and Australia and a few other countries now have access to Japan that the United States doesn't. And so it would be great for U.S. pork, U.S. beef. Um, many uh, would be good for wheat. And so if it's good for agriculture, it's going to help soybeans in some capacities, directly and indirectly. So, yeah, Japan is, is certainly big. So if we, if we have Europe or if we have China, number one, USMCA lined up and ready to go, Japan has just started negotiating. That's really important. 
and then we have Europe, <laughs> which is also out there. Huge challenge there, too. I want to ask you about your assessment of the African swine fever situation and your concern level uh, about uh, it eroding demand for soy meal. Yeah, we have we have a, a, a lot of soybeans in the United States that are in storage right now. So our, we're carrying a lot of soybeans. We would hope to be able to sell those soybeans to China, hopefully sometime soon. Unfortunately, now China has this African swine fever, which has decimated their pork population. And I think the big question is, how bad is it? And we, we know that it's in, in all areas of China. So they've come out and said that it's, that it's all over. Um, we don't know how bad it is. Is it 20%? Is it 40% of their hog herd? I mean, those are um, unknown. There are, there are some solid speculations out there that it's creeping towards that 40%. And then the, the bigger question to me is when does that turn around? When do they repopulate? Is this something that everybody is waiting to see how quickly African swine fever can be brought under control, or are they going to repopulate immediately? So. I, I think we are already seeing signs that China is slowing their demand for soybeans in part because of the African swine fever. And that's, that's a concern because over the course of the negotiations with China, they have promised to buy 20 million metric tons of U.S. soybeans of what we currently have. And to date, they're less than 10 million metric tons of that. In fact, they're between 5 and 7 million metric tons of what they've promised to buy um, is what they've actually purchased. And so are they going to fulfill their good faith commitment to purchase this 20 million this year? It's yet to be seen, but African swine fever may make that difficult. You know, we've talked before about the uh, trade mitigation payments and how they certainly help soybean farmers. And it seemed like the talk that what we were hearing from uh, Washington was from the administration there would not be any more this year. Now the door has been opened as a possibility that that maybe there could be more. Uh, I would think that that kind of has a negative connotation to make me if that's if nothing happens on the trade deals. I, as we've said before, you'd rather have trade than aid. So uh, hopefully it won't the need won't be there uh, if we get the trade deals done to have more of these. Uh, market uh, payments yeah we have to have we have to have an agreement that's without question i mean if, if we do payments last year or we did payments last year do we do them this year next year next year I, I don't think farmers that's not in the best interest of u.s agriculture what's in the best interest of of u.s agriculture is securing a trade agreement with china the ability to get rid of these tariffs and make sure that we can have an, an open trading relationship with china and with all of the other countries, with U.S., with Canada and Mexico and Japan and Europe, that's critical to the to the future of agriculture success. So that that has to be the focus. At the same time, there is no question, agriculture is in a lot of pain right now. A lot of pain. I mean, we are our, our income is projected to be half this year of what it was in '13, and it's um, it, it doesn't look good. And when we watch the markets the last couple of weeks, they continue to inch lower and that's not a lot of fun if you're planting your crop right now and it doesn't it doesn't look easy at the end of this year yeah and a challenge just to get the crop planted too ryan as always thank you yeah. for the update good to be with you thanks mike have a good one thank you ryan finley ceo of the american soybean association up next 
some fueling tips with a fuels expert with CHS Cinex. Stay with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Want to reduce your risk of heart disease, diabetes, and stroke? Simple. Eat right. This is registered dietitian nutritionist Melissa Dobbins. A healthy diet can mean a healthier you. So eat a variety of proteins each week. Seafood, lean meat, poultry, beans, and nuts. Fill half your plate with fruits and vegetables at every meal. Choose foods that are lower in calories, fat, and sodium. Limit your alcohol and maintain a healthy weight. Let a registered dietitian nutritionist help you achieve your goals. Find one near you at eatright.org. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Well, let's take a look at the recently released Ag Census. Joining us to do that is American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nevue. I think farmers have an excellent story to tell in terms of uh, they really are the original stewards of the land. And one thing that changed from the 2017 and 2012 census, and this is 2012 was the first time they asked this question, conventional versus conservation versus no-till. Um, in 2012, conventional uh, was at the top, followed by conservation and no-till. In the 2017, um, no-till was the highest, followed by conservation, and then uh, conventional was the lowest. So you're definitely seeing uh, more farms utilize uh, environmentally friendly practices. Uh, additionally, one that was captured was cover crop. Uh, amount of acres uh, planted with cover crops increased by 50%. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it. Some try to ignore it. 
and some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers, and like farmers, we see the world differently. We're comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to make the air cleaner, to make our country safer, to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels and oil alternatives, solutions for a brighter, more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. So you want to stay on top of the week's agriculture news and have it available at your fingertips. Well, tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast. It's 15 minutes of the week's top agriculture stories, published every Saturday and available anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, and Podbean, or by clicking the link on our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast to go more in-depth on the week's top stories. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We continue uh, with our series of looking at uh, getting an optimum efficiency from your equipment. We're talking with Akhtar Hussein, who is a fuels expert with CHS Cinex. Uh, last time we talked, we talked about the importance of having a premium diesel fuel in your equipment. Now we're going to talk about some of the emissions requirements and some of the things you need to be aware of there. Akhtar, thank you for joining us. Uh, bring us up to date on emissions requirements and the exhaust systems and, uh, and our equipment today, why they're so important to, to be maintained properly. Absolutely. Uh, in 2014, uh, there was, you know, in order to meet the emission standards uh, established with CAFE requirements, Tier 4 final emission standards are put in place. And what that Tier 4 emission standard required was diesel engines now had some additional components uh, or some changing in technology, one of which is the addition of uh, the common rail high-pressure uh, diesel engine, uh, and then the second is these exhaust and emissions after treatment, which is where you have your your diesel exhaust fluid and that process. You also now have a diesel particulate filter installed on on these newer uh, newer pieces of equipment. Anything to 2014 and newer. Can you tell us more about that filter? How how does it work? Absolutely. So the diesel particulate filter is downstream, obviously from the emission side, and it traps. Um, it really traps those harmful emissions before they get emitted. And it's a, it's a ceramic wall that essentially traps soot. Uh, and so once it's trapped enough soot to where it, it's no longer functioning or no longer operable, a regeneration occurs. And what a regeneration really is, is heating that ceramic wall up to a point where it's burning off that soot. When that's happening, you're reducing engine power because the engine is having to work to heat that filter up. Uh, and so you lost power, um, lost efficiency, uh, and if it gets 
too bad, uh, the engine can actually shut, shut down completely until that regeneration process has completed. So what happens when a piece of equipment isn't able to regenerate automatically? Well, that was the situation we were talking about, which is called a forced regeneration. Um, and that actually, the vehicle needs to act, be shut down in order for that regeneration to, uh, to take place. And so, um, you know, or the filter could actually fail, in which case, you, you know, you've got, you've got to get that uh, piece of equipment repaired. So there are some definite uh, downside to this regeneration process. Now, it's great that the, that the pieces of equipment are able to achieve the levels of efficiency that they are, um, but what that means is the fuel you choose becomes very important. Yeah, the two are tied together, right? If you start off with the the, the premium fuel, uh, you'll have should have fewer problems in uh, on the emissions, right? That's correct, and I think that, and I talked a little bit about this in the last segment, but with the changes to fuel that have been required, at least in the reduction of sulfur, and then you add the new requirements of these new uh, higher performance, lower emission diesel engines using a proper fuel really can mitigate some serious issues. And that's why using Senex premium diesel fuel, uh, there's a formulation to help with fight off these problems. So are some of those problems farmers are having, uh, uh, and we get into those situations where uh, that you just described, is that traced back to the fuel choice where they started? The fuel is definitely a component. Um, so I, I can't say that using using the fuel will absolutely eliminate the opportunity to have any of these things happen because there's a lot of different factors that can create these situations. But using a premium diesel fuel can really help, again, mitigate against the possibility of these things happening. Um, it really all begins with a clean burn. So Senex premium diesel fuel offers a, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. So it starts with the it starts with the combustion. Uh, if if the fuel is is being combusted in an efficient way from the engine, you're going to get less of these harmful emissions um, out the tailpipe, and therefore your DPF is going to stay cleaner longer, reducing the amount of regenerations that occur, and increasing uptime and efficiency in the piece of equipment. Because the bottom line here, you're trying to avoid downtime, and if you make that wrong choice, it leads to these problems, you're going to be dealing with downtime. That's absolutely right. And, you know, I mean, equipment maintenance is part of the game. We all understand that. Pieces of equipment do go down from time to time, and that can be a very frustrating thing when it occurs. Using Senex Premium Diesel is the best way to control the controllables, take out unnecessary risk, and, and really make sure that when you need that equipment to function, it's ready to go. Yeah, you can't say anything, I guess, 100%, but what you're talking about here is uh, you're, you're minimizing those chances of downtime uh, due to the, some of these problems you've just discussed. That's right, and I, I think when we, we look at the changes in the diesel engine, really those changes need to drive some changes in fuel quality uh, because a typical number two diesel fuel when you look about, when you look at the the amount of pressure that's in the new engines, and you look at the emission systems and how advanced they are, um, using a typical number two diesel fuel, um, it you just you don't know how quickly that fuel is going to break down under those temperatures. And there are a lot there's a lot of chemistry behind the Senex Premium Diesel product 
that makes it more stable in that environment. So don't overlook the diesel particulate filter and don't overlook the fuel that you choose, which could cause problems with the DPF, right? That's absolutely right. All right. Octor Hussein, fuels expert with CHS Cinex, joining us. Octor, thank you very much. Hopefully some information here that will help farmers avoid that costly downtime this spring. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. All right. Thanks for being with us today here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Agriculture.